Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. So Julia, who's joining us on the podcast this week? This week on the podcast, we're joined by Andrea Johnson and she's a dental technician. Andrea works as an orthodontic technician in a busy NHS practice. During her time, she's been a very active member of the profession. She's held various roles on committees and organisations, as well as co-founding her charity called Dentec. There's something in there for everyone, so it's really good just to show everyone what's out there and say, start this as a base. And even if you think it's perhaps not for you as you grow, there's so many different avenues you can take. She joined us today to share her learning and experiences from a successful career. She's here to inspire dental technician colleagues to expand their horizons and perhaps discuss why listeners could consider a dental technician career. But don't ever be afraid to swap and change. And the amount of jobs I've had throughout my life is crazy, but I've taken something from every single one of those, every single one of those areas, and been able to use it in a new one. With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. So Andrea, as mentioned in the introduction there, um, it seems that dental technology was something that came to you maybe a, a little bit later and you did some other jobs before that. What made you, well, first of all, what made you aware of dental technology in the first instance? And then what led you to then decide that was a career path that you were going to pursue? I think like most people, I, I wasn't aware that it existed at all. I thought you went to the dentist, if you needed anything doing, the dentist made it for you. You went back and had it fitted or, I don't know, they got a size five out the drawer or however these things work. You know, I've I've never really had much dental work, so not even orthodontic, so I wasn't really aware of what was out there. I was was in a job role which I'd I'd taken because I'd not long had my daughter and I wanted part-time hours, something local, but it wasn't interesting or challenging. Um, Spent a lot of years in retail and it's it's great and it's... um, nice being with people and that certain aspects of the job I love especially working with animals and things but it's bad pay it's bad hours um and it just didn't offer the challenge I wanted I wanted something different I wanted a career I wanted something interesting so I just scoured my local paper basically just to see if I could find a job that was something completely different and bizarre compared to what I'd normally do um and that offered training as well because I needed to work and train because I was obviously a mum as well so I couldn't just go off to university Mm. Um, and I actually found there was a lab about three streets away on a little industrial estate that I had no knowledge of before so I went around for an interview and um, (laughs) it was quite funny because I was I was going in and there's all this like really cool equipment and it's like drawers of teeth and there's waxes and there's flames on everywhere and I'm going oh what's that for what's that for oh what's that <laughs> and they were just laughing at me. Um, so yeah, they they offered me a job, pretty much there and then, really. And uh, yeah, I've I've not really looked back since. I enjoy it. There's so many different challenges, and there's so many different avenues you can go down once you get into this industry. It's um, yeah, it, it's quite mind blowing, really, the opportunity that there are for the people that that want them. There's almost a happy accident then. It was. I think that's quite. That's a story that we seem to be hearing quite a lot of a lot. I guess is that it's just a a door that opened and and ended up being a whole journey behind that. So, 
yeah. Yeah. history, I guess, from there. Uh, uh, yeah, I've been through some interviews as, you know, in schools as like a classroom assistant and all, all sorts of things. But yeah, this is the thing that, that grabbed me, really. So I... if you're, I mean, it grabbed you, clearly. But what sort of advice would you give somebody who's considering a career in dental technology? I mean, you're clearly quite passionate about it, but what sort of advice would you give somebody who was thinking, oh, shall I, shan't I, what should I do? Um, yeah, if, if people are, you know, sort of thinking about dental. When I do careers events, um, with school children especially, I mean, there's so much out there and they have no idea the scope of jobs and careers that's available to them. And they'll always come to the stand and say, I want to be a dentist. And they think, <laughs> you know, that's what there is. You know, yes. in dentistry, that is, the dentist is the exciting job. Dentist is the one that gets the money, you know. And you just think, you need to look at the full scope. Because sometimes these people, they haven't got, they haven't got the right, People skills, yes, for, for actually. Well, face and also, to face. like you said, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You might not know that there is this person called a dental technician out there yep. who can be, you know, a constructor of all sorts of different appliances. So, this is because I, I always say to them, "Do you like working with your hands? If you like working with your hands, if you like taking things apart, putting things together, if you're a very practical person." Dental technology is really good for you. Again, yes. we, we get all the cool toys as well, you know, the more powerful toys, the metal casting and, you know, there's flames everywhere and grinds that can take your fingers off. It's brilliant, <laughs> honestly. We get, we get all the all the good stuff. Um, but also if you do like being with people as well, but also enjoy that, again, you can go into clinical dental technology. There's, there's so many ways you can mix it up to suit your skill set. Even within dental technology itself, if you're really arty, if you've got a really good artistic flair, then like Crown and Bridge is for you. Some of the, I mean, those people who do Crown and Bridge are absolute masters and it just yes. blows my mind. I have not got an arty bone in my body, <laughs> so I do orthodontics. <laughs> it doesn't need to look pretty. Yeah, but you it probably like things nice and straight. It's not, sorry, nice and straight. And, um, you know, those sorts of things. So it's, we've all, it's horses for courses, isn't it? And they're, they're well, exactly, all... yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's like I say, I, I don't need to make things look pretty. I need to make sure they, they are active, they provide a function, and that's yeah. what I like. You know, it's moving things around. And I sometimes tell people I rearrange people's faces for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's something in there for everyone. So it's really good just to show everyone what's out there and say start this as a base. And even if you think it's perhaps not for you as you grow, there's so many different avenues you can take it, even into teaching, even if you want to step away from that and go into teaching. and Or I know people who's trained as dental technologists but then focused on the materials and gone into material science and built a career based on that because obviously we need to know about the materials and things. So it's such this vast career, you know, there's so many prospects in it. But also, if you just want a job, you can have just a job. You can go and you can do a job, you can go home. You know, we need people who, like, not everyone can be like me <laughs> and completely bonkers. Uh, but there is scope for it if you want to be one of those people so is is there's something in there for everyone so i can't see why so this anyone careers wouldn't. ambassador role that you have within your trust mm -hmm. is obviously something that you get very active and very passionate about i yeah i really enjoy it I mean, it's a fairly newish role within our trust of just recruiting so 
I was a STEM ambassador before at a previous trust. So just went out um, to do STEM careers, especially females in STEM careers as well. Sorry, STEM, forgive me. I don't know what that means. Science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's a whole um, range of the, the science-based careers. They've been trying to promote it um, within the industry for a long time. So going out to schools, showing people that there are job roles within those arenas that they can go for, mm-hmm. especially people from deprived backgrounds, because they see a lot of those careers and they don't realise that they can also do those as well. You know, some of the more professional ones, people from deprived backgrounds tend to think that they're not suited for that. Yes. Um, so it's really lovely to be able to just go and go, you can do whatever you like. Yeah. If you want it. Yes. You can get yeah. it. You might not you might not be able to take the traditional route. You know, I I've done some weird and wonderful things to get where I am today and it's none of it's been straightforward. But if you want to get somewhere in life and you're determined to get there, you can always find a way. You know, so being able to go out and just let people know and enable people um to find the passion and and the drive and and just know that they can go for it and know there's someone there to offer some help and guidance and just a bit of backup if they want it as well is it's just a real privilege i just really enjoy it it's just you know why would that why would you not want to do that for somebody else so it's a, it's a great opportunity it's a great career so i think the follow-up question to that is was, we're obviously losing a lot of dental technicians at the moment mm. So do you think that's the part of the solution is that people don't necessarily know about it and we should be telling more people about it? Is that part of the solution, do you think? The tech, if there's dental technicians listening to this, should they be uh, taking up opportunities like you have, speaking at schools, trying to get the word out there? Is that is that the solution or do you think it's a wider problem than that? I think like most things, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, There's no, nothing in life's ever straightforward, is yeah. it? So we do need to raise a lot more awareness. So I know I know some amazing technicians who will take every opportunity to, you know, sing the praises of the of the industry and um, just the opportunities in it. I mean, there's some that's got some fantastic businesses, they've got a wonderful life from it. You know, some people just love getting hands on and doing things and they will talk to anybody about it. So I think raising awareness of it is one thing that we need to do but the industry as a whole needs a bit of a shake-up at the moment um, and the relationships within it there are people striving hard to do that at the moment um, but you know as everyone knows it with, within dentistry we've got issues with with funding and um, just with backlogs and with people morale morale is so low because they're just struggling all the time you know um, so there's a, there's a lot of issues within it, but it's still a good career, you know. Yes. Yeah. It is still. A, I mean, my my husband's a teacher. He moans all the time about <laughs> being a teacher. Well, he'll not stop being a teacher, you know. I think it's yes. just built into the training that yeah. they complain. <laughs> it's, it's the same with a lot of industries. You will hear people complain, but ultimately they stick in that job because it's a good job. Nothing's ever perfect in life. You no, no, no. You can't get perfection. Can't, I mean, it'd be lovely. But... And actually making a difference. You know, I often think when I um, talk to my patients, 
as much as my dental colleagues who are doing dental treatment on them are fantastic and they come back and they say, oh, I've got some new implants and I've got a new bridge or a new crown. I think actually it's the person who's made that appliance. Mm. That's that person who's made the functional appliance for your orthodontic treatment. That's the person who's made your crowns, your veneers. You know, actually, that's the person that you really need to be grateful for (laughs) because... um, you know, so I'm going to champion champion all of you because I really, you know, I, I think you're an amazing group of people that are actually sometimes sidelined and not not necessarily brought to the forefront. So I'm glad that you feel yeah. um, passionate about your. There, there's always that thing, isn't there, where there's, um, you know, if something goes right in the clinic. They'll take the credit. If something goes wrong, they'll go, oh, the lab's messed it up. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> it's just it's, it's just life, isn't it? You know, but most patients, they don't know we exist. They don't know what we do. They don't, you know. And, like, I, I, I do help out um, on various groups and working groups and um, things like that with the GDC and I know they're putting a lot of work into trying and raise an awareness of the dental team and what their roles are and things like with the public. Yes. So yeah. they're trying to raise awareness with the public of all these different... Because obviously, with how dentistry is at the moment as well, not everyone can see a dentist. But they can get to see a hygienist. They can get to see a therapist. Yes. They can go see a clinical dental technician. So if they know what each of these people, and even dental technicians, you know, they can go to them for direct repairs and things like that. So educating the public on the dental team as a whole and what each of us do within that and how we can work together um, is really key. Yeah, so important. And I think there's there's a lot of work that's been done in that and, and the public are becoming more aware. But yeah, I still think there's probably quite a long way to go. I don't know if you see that no, in I- terms of hygienists even, are probably people are a bit, bit more aware of but yeah maybe dental technicians well, and, all the I, and i think dental about. therapists are a wonderful example of that mm. that actually people are realizing well and clin- clinical dental technicians for that matter too i i think you're right i think we have got to educate the patients that the service provision is not necessarily down that traditional route yep. of the dentist and and uh, very successfully you can have treatment down other avenues I think it's the same with the GP, isn't it? You ring up and you want to speak to a doctor, yet the practice nurse can help you and they've got HAs who can do all sorts of things. So it's just understanding Indeed. people's scope of practice, really, and being able to utilise that and maximise it to its potential, yeah. really. So I'm quite interested. So within your own career, you've decided to work in hospital, you've decided to work in the orthodontic element of dental technology. You've worked in commercial labs before, so I'm just interested to know what what's led you specifically into hospital and what's the benefits of that and why might somebody else consider that specific route as a route in dental technology? So I've, I've got a passion for the NHS. Anyway, I always have had, I, I love, I know, again, it's not perfect. <laughs> like most things in life. But it's just, you know, the ethos behind it, it's there for everybody at the point of need and it's great and it doesn't matter how much money you've got or how much money you haven't got. It's about giving people the right care um, as and when they need it. So, I, you know, I have this this love and this passion for the NHS and just want to protect it and, you know, love it and all And be part brilliant. of it by the sounds of things. Absolutely, yeah. So I, I 
went out my way to get a job in the NHS. In order to get that job in, in the NHS, I had to take a job in orthodontics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was working in a denture lab, um, making dentures. Um, and every time, you know, an appliance came in, which was quite rare in a, in a dental lab that needed a clasp on, I'd take it to my manager because he always wanted to walk an orthodontics but never did for some reason. And then I'd just say, oh, can you uh, bend up this crib for me? And then I'd go back and finish the denture work on it. So, you know, I was like, oh, I don't do wire bending. Um, but it was a small private lab and a lot of private labs did do struggle, you know, because because the way labs are funded and things like that, they don't, they have to compete on price and, and things like that. So they did struggle. They weren't the best business people in that respect. They were technicians, not business people. So, you know, they, well, that's they the did... same. That's the same for the whole team, isn't it? You yeah. Know, it's, we hear that all of the time, you know, that there are yeah. some fantastic dentists out there, but actually their business heads perhaps aren't so good and, and vice versa. So. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, every time work got a bit quiet, it'd be like, oh, we might have to let someone go. And I just thought, okay, this is this is the time I need to go. So I had a look round and there was a job in Derby, but it was in orthodontics. And I was like, oh, <laughs> can I do wire bending? And I went up and, you know, it was great. And I just took to it so well. I really didn't think I would. But again, sometimes, you know, if, if things in life are a bit scary, you just got to go for it. I think once you get confident with the wire bending aspect of it, like there's so many things you can do when we have sort of like cool screws and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. It's, it's so and there organic. are now very specific um, associations of orthodontic technicians. Um, yeah. So you know you, you've you've got a support network there that perhaps um, organises educational elements or journals and that sort of thing, haven't you? Yeah. So the Orthodontic Technicians Association. Um, has been going for 50 years. Yeah, we've just had our 50th anniversary last year, the year before. Um, then they run an annual conference. They've got a newsletter and they try and keep us up to date on. When I first started at Derby, they said to me, right, you need to go to this conference. And obviously I was like, okay. I'll go. And I went and I didn't know anybody and I turned up and I stood in the corner and sort of tried to be inconspicuous <laughs> and that wasn't working because they were like, what are you doing? Who are you? <laughs> and they sort of drew me in and they were chatting. Everyone was absolutely lovely and amazing and it was so nice to be there with other people who did the same job. Yes. Who you could be nerdy with on the, on the right level. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, although dental technology, you get trained in all of the different... Well, the three primary disciplines start off with, obviously, you know, your crown and bridge, your orthodontics and your uh, denture work. Yeah. We all tend to specialise in one particular area. So if I went into a crown and bridge laboratory now, although I had some crown and bridge training, I would just say, just treat me like a, a new trainee. You know, yeah. I know some of the basics, but do, do not get me making people's crowns and bridges <laughs> at this stage. Like, yes. You know, Um so it was really good to to be with a load of super nerds, basically. And I think every, everybody needs that. I know that, um, you know, you were sort of saying about being sort of nerdy together. But, I mean, I think it's a bit more than that because sometimes, actually, we can have a bit of a lonely experience in dentistry. You know, you may be the only orthodontic technician in Derby Hospital, presumably, 
or, you know, be part of a very small team that's not necessarily with each other all of the time because it may be a part-time role or you may just go to a particular lab on certain days and that sort of thing. So mm. it, can you it, perhaps yeah. explain that a little bit more to us? Yeah, so, I mean, we've got such a range of sizes and shapes of, of labs throughout the country, whether they be private ones, whether it be NHS ones. And like you say, sometimes we've got these these great big labs and there's big teams and there's different departments within those teams and, you know, and they've got each other as a support network and it's brilliant. And then you've got other times. So I, I currently work on my own in the lab. I'm the only person in, in my uh, current lab. So if someone brings in a challenging case to me, which is part of what I love about my job because working in a hospital, we see more medically compromised patients. We see the type of patient that would require you to think outside of the box. Yeah. You know, you'll get the clinician who will call you into the clinic and say, this is what I want to achieve. These are the problems we are facing. Now, how do we resolve it? What can you suggest? So, you know, that's absolutely brilliant. So you, you sort of think it through, you take it away, but you haven't got someone who you can go, right, I was thinking about doing this. What mm. do you think if I try this out? What? So you've got, you haven't got that sounding board. You haven't yeah. got anyone else. Yeah. So to be able to go to these events, make those connections. So because I've yeah. now got those connections, I could now ring someone up and say, right, I've been thinking about doing yeah, this. Yeah. Or if I send you some pictures, can you just, you know, because these are complex cases. And these are people's lives. This is not just an appliance. Yeah. This is this is going in someone's mouth. It's a medical device. It's going to affect changes. We need to make sure it's going to do it in the right way, in a safe way. So having someone within your network, you could either speak to there or make contact to through these different events and organizations is really key. It's really critical. And it does, like say makes you feel like you're not alone because it, it can be lonely sometimes. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll I'll shut the door on the lab. I'm doing noisy work. I've got acrylic dust flying everywhere. <laughs> I'm grinding. I look like I'm in a snowstorm. <laughs> I've, I've got my music on or I've got some handy uh, podcasts on. <laughs> 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 but I am on my own. I can go hours without speaking to people sometimes. Um, so, yeah, knowing that these people's out there, that you've made these connections. So it's... When I go to events and I'm talking to people, you know, for the careers ambassador thing, I'll always say to them, make sure that you also get out and about. You go to the dental shows, you go to conferences, you go to events, because it's important to make those connections. Don't just sit on your own, because that's when you get jaded and you get fed yeah, up. a bit and, disillusioned with what you're doing. And your morale just starts to go through the floor. And I yeah. guess that's the... I think you beautifully summarised there, probably the pros and cons of the hospital versus a, a commercial lab. You might have the more exciting, interesting cases, but mm. you might not have as much support around you. So I guess for anybody thinking about those options, that's that's something to consider. But ultimately, I presume it was the right decision to go into hospital and you, oh, you'd yes. enjoy that and you recommend that if somebody else was, was thinking about maybe moving out of a commercial lab because of the reasons that you talked about for wanting to, to, to move into hospital. Yeah, I, I, you know, I recommend it to anybody because, again, you know, you hear all these things about you know, the hospital service and pay conditions and whatever. It's a great job and the nice people, you know. 
I would like to say we're all at the cutting end of technology <laughs> and everything, you know, we're leading the way, but it's the NHS, we're skinned most of the time, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, it is a good environment. If you want a challenge, you want to be put into situations where you have to think outside the box and you enjoy getting called into the clinic and liaising with the patients, you know, yeah. managing their expectations as well. Um, and perhaps sounding as though you're feeling a bit more valued absolutely. because your your opinion is asked for, listened to and actioned on. Yeah, and I think because in hospital services you've got trainee dentists coming through at various different points in their career and also, you know, sort of max max surgeons and the whole range of the team, it helps build that team ethos. So even if they come... They do their training, they're with you for a few months and then they leave. If they've been interacting with the lab and having a positive experience, you know, I will yeah. I will take the opportunity to tell them some stories about, you know, some of the good impressions I've had, some of the bad impressions <laughs> I've had and all things like this and how much everybody loves someone who does these amazing impressions. And, I, I you know, I remember the name of one dentist from when I worked in the private lab, one dentist only out of all the ones that we had because we used to fight over his work when it came in because it was beautiful and we could make beautiful things on it. And it, it was a rarity that anything came back for adjustment because, you know, so being able to discuss it and invite them into the lab and say, come and have an explore, come and see what we do. Come and have a chat if you're bored. Come and sit down and have a play with things, you know, and I'll talk to you over. And helping to build those relationships for when they then move on. Yeah, I Again, think that's so is, important. Yeah. That, get that interaction between the team. Because again, and talking about what you were mentioning there about the poor impressions and stuff, it's that if you get to know somebody from speaking to somebody, then you're more likely to to give that feedback or go and say, oh, I'm, I'm doing this, what do you think? And everybody mm. be that team to get the best outcome for the patient ultimately. And feel comfortable asking rather than thinking, I'm not going to go because I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed because they think I don't know what I'm talking about or I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. Or I'll just say, oh, it was a difficult patient, so you'll have to make do. I mean, just saying you're going to have to make do is really not good enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm at a point in my career where I'm I'm quite confident with with people. So if someone says to me, oh, you'll have to make do, and I really feel like, actually, no, we're not going to make do, you know, I will actually explain why that's not possible and say you're going to need to get the patient back or we're going to need to think of a different way around it if it's really not feasible to get... You know, but again, saying to people, have that confidence in your knowledge, skills and ability. You are the one trained to do this. As a technician, I've spent years learning all those skills, learning about the, the material science, about the intraoral environment and how those two react um, and just all the different techniques. The dentist, therapist, hygienist, they've done the same in their fields. But we don't, we don't learn each other's to that intensity. So... Be confident in your knowledge and your ability and your skills to be able to go in and say, well, actually, this would perhaps be better or have you thought about or could I suggest or yeah. I'm sorry, I know you really, really want to do this. Saying do your best is just not... Because, again, there's a patient at the end of this. Yeah. Yes. And as a registered dental professional, it is your legal responsibility to make sure that whatever you do is not going to cause any harm to that patient. And I know people say the dentist, 
makes a final decision when they put it in and they take that responsibility. But everybody has a responsibility for yeah. their section of that. Um, so, yeah, so, but like I say, going into a hospital and being able to have those conversations with people. There are some people, as I said, some technicians who have got some incredible businesses and they are real big business people. They've got a real strong business head on them and they've got really successful labs. And they're not sweatshops, you know, like some mm. people think if big if you get to a big lab, it's a sweatshop. They're not, you know, they look after the staff. They've got some really top-end technology. They're really passionate about what they do. And they are driving around in some quite nice sports cars <laughs> themselves. <laughs> you know, they yeah. they they they've got some they've got some money. So it can be done. It, but it depends on what your motivations are. So if you want to go out there and have a successful business and earn, you know, a really good living and get those sports cars and those posh holidays and things, that you can do it. There is opportunity to do it. Yeah. Um, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. There are still things out there there's different routes and paths i'm never going to make a million working in the nhs <laughs> but you know i can pay my bills i'm okay. happy with what i'm doing yes. yeah it comes back to what you said at the start there's just so many different options and different avenues and mm. uh, it's whatever works for you and again we keep saying these kind of things but that's a, a common theme in the podcast is finding an area that works for you and that you enjoy and then pursuing that that's ultimately what leads to career satisfaction and if you don't right? like one thing you can change yeah exactly there's nothing wrong with changing I've got a friend who started out as a nurse, also trained as a technician, really didn't like that, and then <laughs> trained as a therapist and now owns her own practice. You know, you, life's your oyster, really. Yeah. But don't ever be afraid to swap and change. And the amount of jobs I've had throughout my life is, is crazy, but I've take, taken something from every single one of those, every single one of those areas, and been able to use it in a new one. It still gives you experience it still gives you skill sets that you didn't realize yes. are transferable so yeah. yeah never never be afraid to change and swap about until you find the thing you've got to work haven't you you've got to work to live unless you're like super lucky so you might as well try and find something you enjoy doing while you're doing it exactly and it sounds like you do so that's lovely <laughs> yeah for the most part <laughs> <laughs> so you've volunteered quite a lot for different professional associations and written journal articles and assorted things like that what sort of inspiration can you give to people listening to this podcast who might think oh do you know I, i've often wondered whether i ought to get involved in my association or or write something for a journal or something like that so how did you get into doing that and what sort of advice would you give those people so again it's one of those accidents it, you know what in our job a lot of things come down to confidence having confidence in yourself. I I went to that conference and I got drawn into this little group of people who I still love to bits and we meet up every year now. But I was also sat at a table at one of these conferences just chatting and the chair of the association at the time came and sat beside us and were like, hi, you know, how are you all doing? Chatting away. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm at work and gets a phone call off him. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> and he's like, don't, don't be scared. It's nothing bad. I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> What's happening? Why are you ringing me? <laughs> and obviously something I'd said during that conversation. And he's like, well, I just thought maybe you'd want to come and give a lecture or do a talk or do something. I'm like, well, I just happen to be writing some CPD papers for uh, my colleagues in the department just because I'm weird like that. And we needed some CPD. 
Um, and it was quite a scary thing because I was fairly new into the profession. I was still a student at that time. And I'm like, what could I have? What, what could I tell you guys? What do I know that you don't already know? I'm just starting out. I'm trying to teach you a lot how to suck eggs and, mm. and all that. And he's like, no, no, don't be daft. It's going to be brilliant. And I just thought, whatever, let's just do it. See what happens. Throw yourself into it. Yeah. You know, you, you come to these points in your life where you've got to think to yourself, let's just try it. What's the worst that can happen? You know? look like a bit of a fool for a little while. Everyone will have a chuckle because most of them has been through it before. <laughs> That's it. Um, so I went and did that and it was, um, I gave a lecture at the conference. That was a little bit scary. But once I got up onto the stage to start speaking, just sort of calm just came over me because I was there and everyone was staring at me. So I thought, well, you've just got to do it now anyway, haven't you? It's too There's late, no too late at that point, yeah. <laughs> There's no backing out now. Um, and it was fine and everyone was, you know, it wasn't brilliant. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't brilliant. But everyone was so nice, they were so kind, and they were so pleased that I'd actually gone up there and done it. You know, I've got a lot of people going, oh, you're braver than me. Oh, I couldn't have done that. You know, and they've got some great stuff to give. Um, and then my sort of confidence just grew from there because although everyone knew it wasn't perfect, everyone was glad that I tried and people... And Still. you presumably, you know, you've, you've said you knew it wasn't perfect, but actually you gave it a go. Yeah. And people are always crying out for content, for a new perspective. So even as a student, you've got a whole different perspective on things. You've got fresh ideas. You know, you're not been in the industry too long. You're not a bit jaded. You're not, you know, you're coming all excited and, yeah. you know, you've got all that energy. So a lot of the... In fact, all of the associations and organisations, they want that. They need that. They need people to be coming who's enthused and driven, who want to make a difference, who want to do something. Well, they want a whole range, don't they, like you say. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. not just about the established career people, but it's the, the newly qualified people or the students, as you say. Yeah. This is it. You've got, to, you've got to have those range of range of views because otherwise things just stagnate. So I think our listeners need to appreciate that everybody's got something to share and that everybody mm. listening's probably got something to share and i think the message is don't be afraid to uh, you know if you're not lucky enough to be approached approach somebody because they'll probably be very happy to to knock have on you those <laughs> doors i've i've learned since that you just knock on doors I'll, like, my daughter is an absolute master of this she's rubbish socially but she's an absolute master of like networking and finding opportunities and what she does and what everyone should do and what i do as well is if you see somebody doing something that looks interesting, so like say an association or doing a conference or just even experiment with a new technique or something like that, it doesn't matter if you don't know them, just go up and say, that looks really cool. Can I have a go? Or can you show me that? Or is there anything I can do to help? Can mm. I get involved somehow? I don't know what I could contribute, but I'm happy to give it a go. Is there anything... You know, and just get out there. If you sit around waiting for life to come and, you know, do all these wonderful things for you, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you go out there and you knock on doors and you put yourself forward, people will snap you up. And your skills will develop over yeah. time. You know, you will be a bit rough and ready at the beginning. But that doesn't matter. 
you know, you'll grow and develop um, and become better and better at these things. As you get. And then more opportunities will come your way. Yeah. Because you are out there and you are seen to be proactive and, and care and want to make a difference. So then, you know, it will get a little bit easier. Sometimes you'll get to a point where you have to start turning things away. But well, I was just going to say it. That's, that's an interesting point because I was then thinking about the sort of time commitment. I mean, people mm. might be listening to this podcast thinking, oh, God, is it is it a lot of time? But it sounds like the time commitment for these sorts of things is as big as you want it to be. Yeah, so it, it, it depends on how much time you've got to give or what stage you're at in your life. Um. So, yeah, so... When I first started out, my daughter was quite young. She was still quite dependent on me. You know, I'd got all those family ties. I couldn't go away. I couldn't do a lot of things. Um, I could still get involved in my professional association. Mm-hmm. I could still attend meetings on occasion. And, you know, we'd do a lot of stuff online via email mostly then. You know, we didn't use Zoom as predominantly as we, as we do now and, and other things like that. But it was fine. I could give. I could say, this is what I have to give. This is what I have available. You know, I can try and help, but I will let you know if it's too much or I haven't got time. And I think that's always important because whenever you're working in or running a professional organisation or or any event or anything like that, and you've got people who are volunteering their time, you as one of those volunteers need to make sure that you can give the time and if you can't, you need to let them know that you can't. Yeah. Don't say, I can, and then don't do it. Yeah, just you being know? clear from the outset. And if you say, I can, and then something changes, then you just say, I know I said I could, but now I can't. Because then they can at least then find someone else to do it. But it also means you can get involved more if you want to as well. Say, actually, I didn't think I'd be able to do this much, but I'm really enjoying it. If you've yeah. got something else for me, I can do some more, or I can take on that if you like. Um, and then, you know, as, as things have gone along, like I said, my daughter's grown up now, she's left home. I've got a lot more time to be able to give, but I've still got a full-time job. Yeah. So sometimes you do realise that you've taken on a lot of things and it's eating away at your free time. And then you have to decide, what am I going to drop? And that can be hard, you know, because when you've got to a stage where you've got lots of opportunities, and like I say, I love doing exciting new things and, you know, saying, I don't like saying no, I don't like saying no to most people for most (laughs) things. You know, in life in general, I like to say yes or enable things. Um, But sometimes you have got to be sensible and say, actually, this is what I've got the time for and these are my, my priorities. You know, it's sometimes easy to get caught up in what everybody else wants. Yeah. And sometimes you have to think, what's best for me and my family um, and my life at this stage? And then just, you know, if you're lucky enough to pick and choose, pick and choose. But always make sure you've got stuff to pick and choose from. Don't just keep saying no, say yes and give it a try. If you don't like it, you can just say, sorry, I tried that, but it wasn't for me. I'm sure sure any time is appreciated as well if you... You, you don't want to be put off from doing something because you can only offer however many hours a week or whatever because I'm sure these societies would appreciate anything and that, like you said if you're clear from the outset of I want to help but I can only help this I'm sure they'll oh, be appreciative of yeah that. absolutely every time you know any help's better than no help so all. what have you said yes to recently 
<laughs> recently. Or no recently, perhaps. <laughs> well, actually, you know, don't, no, don't tell us the no. This, this not, no t- I can't tell, really tell us think the yeses. of any no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think at the moment, so the HLA, the Healthcare Leadership Academy, is um, taking up quite a bit of my time. So one of the challenges I found being a dental technician and wanting to get health, uh, leadership training, for example, was, well, you're not clinical. And a lot of the opportunities out there, the, the fellowships, even within the NHS, the fellowships and, and all that kind of thing, especially the dental ones, they're all based around dentists. And I'm, I'm like, well, just because you're a dentist doesn't mean you're a natural leader. Yeah. In fact, I know some dentists I've spoken to and they've gone, I don't want to be a leader. I want to go and I want to do my job. I want to go home. I don't want to lead the team. I don't feel like that's in my skill set and it's not something I'm comfortable with, you know, but everyone expects them to be that person. And I also know some other people, technicians, but other people within the dental team as well who would make amazing leaders. They're brilliant and they're natural at it, yet they don't get given the opportunity and they could lead the team. It doesn't matter whether you're a dentist or, you know, a technician or a nurse or a therapist, if you've got that skill set and that drive and that knowledge, why should you not be a leader within the team? You know, so, again, with the, with the knocking on doors, I went sort of doing it on Twitter mostly <laughs> and started uh, looking at these programmes and challenging the wording of them and saying, why can someone non-clinical not do this? Explain to me your reasoning. Give me a good reason why someone um, and some I got mm, okay excuses from. Some they were rubbish excuses, but they weren't backing down. Um, and then the Healthcare Leadership Academy went, oh, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. I had no idea that our wording excluded people such as yourselves. Let me change that. And like within minutes, the website had been changed and. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let's test this, shall we? <laughs> let's see. So I applied. I applied for the scholarship. And I got the scholarship. So I was like, ooh, okay. So it is made up of they're trying to make sure it's healthcare professionals from across the full range. Um, it is predominantly doctors at the moment because that's where they started out was they're trying to grow and include more and more of the wider healthcare team. Um, And my sort of passion for that sort of inclusiveness has sort of drawn me into more and more of what they're doing because they're like, Andrea, why don't you just help us out with this? (laughs) Why don't I get... So I'm a a cohort director um, for one of their cohorts now. Um, I also co-lead the dental network there. Um, And I'm also looking like I'm going to get sort of drawn into helping with some of the cohort director training and development and things as well. But a lot of it, again, is me looking at what they're doing and challenging what they're doing. And they always appreciate it as well. So I'll say, you've just put this advert out for it says clinician or it says doctor or it says that's not inclusive. Because Mm. people, because that's their world and that's their natural language, they don't realise that they're excluding people from it. 
they don't realise that at all. It's not a purposeful thing. And they'll go, oh, my goodness, you're so right. And they will change it. Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to encourage more and more people. So I want more technicians to join. I want nurses to join. I want therapists. And these this scholarship that I got is completely free. It's funded. Now, it is a competitive process, so there's only so many um, funded scholarships per year. You can pay for it, but there's only so many funded scholarships per year. But there are some amazing people out there in the dental team who can get this, who would be welcomed in with open arms and who would flourish. And it will generate new opportunities. So talking about leadership and inspirational people that uh, others want to follow, um, you've set up a charity, Dentech, Mm. as an inspirational leader. So I think it would be a disservice if we didn't mention that and talk about that a little bit. So for anybody that hasn't heard about it, can you just give us a little bit of a background about how that started and what the kind of ethos is of the charity? Um, Yeah, so yeah, Dentech is my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I set it up with a a fellow technician nearly six years ago now um, called Andrew Sinclair from uh, Scotland. We both went over um, on a volunteering mission to Uganda. And when you see these things firsthand, you you see stuff on the telly, you hear people talking about it, you read articles, reviews. It's never the same as experiencing it yourself. So being able to go over to see, you know, firsthand the the poverty and trouble and struggle that people face I think hit us quite quite hard um we realized that people were having teeth pulled they were having them filled they were being gotten out of dental pain but nothing was being restored nothing was being replaced and this was quite distressing for for some of the patients you know some will refuse treatment because they don't want to have their, their teeth missing. Some of the function was diminished because they'd had to have teeth removed. So it, it made us realise that there was a niche there that needed filling. And plus also on a, on a dental mission, me trying to work as a nurse was um, <laughs> <laughs> was it interesting. I've got a whole new respect for, for nurses now. Uh, but it was, it was a great experience. But, yeah, we we realized that there was this need there that we could fill and that it sort of that's where it started it started in uganda we came back and we chatted since then that you know we, we've developed the charity we've got involved a lot more in projects in the uk as well so we don't don't focus on the abroad we're actually doing a lot of work in the uk with our homeless uh, domestic abuse victims um, some of our homeless veterans and the Southampton's Veteran Centre. So we've been working with them. These are people that have significant dental need, but have fell through the cracks. So it's not that there aren't dental services out there, but we're helping the ones who don't seem to be able to access the services in their area or the appropriate services aren't available in their area. Um, so we, you know, we take everything on a case by case basis, and we make sure that there are no other suitable services, and then uh, we help out. But you know, again, you know, I said it before. This is all about the patient and the life changing effect it has on someone to be able to restore um, their function, their dentition, and, and their aesthetics. You know, 
it is just so massively rewarding. So, yeah, so in the UK, we work with volunteer dentists, we work with volunteer technicians um, and laboratories and, you know, all the rest of the team in between as well to provide these services um, 90% of the time free of charge. Dentec does fund some, you know, if if we can't get that free. Um, but, yeah, it, we're, we're making it. We're not doing seeing hundreds of patients. We're seeing you're making a, few a patients. difference, and I think that must be very special. It it does, and it it does. Yeah, it gets me a little bit emotional sometimes when you speak to some people. When you know, it has been a life changing experience for them. Especially, I mean, the domestic abuse victims are quite a good example because a lot of their dental problems are brought about by the abuse that they have suffered, and it is a constant reminder. of that abuse so if we can put that right we can change that we can restore that it helps give them some of their old life back Um, but yeah we also get donated a fantastic amount of uh, materials and equipment from our technicians throughout the country and we re-donate that to setting up laboratories abroad in Cambodia Uganda um, potentially working in Nepal soon so um so it sounds like you're working on a whole range of different different things. And, and for anybody listening, either technicians or other members of the dental team that are interested in helping, volunteering or donating things, how, how can people get involved with the charity? I think the first point of call is the easiest one is just to go onto our website. We have got obviously a contact us and um, we've got a volunteer with us section where they can just sort of go onto the website log their interest and someone will get back to them. So whether it's because they want to volunteer or donate or just get in touch, do it through the website. Which um, is? Which is <laughs> um, dentech.org. So it's D-E-N-T-E-C-H.org. Um, so, yeah, dentech as in dental technician, dental technology. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that that that's great. And, uh, you know, we're also on uh, social media, so... Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I am rubbish with Instagram. <laughs> Just saying. So luckily I've got an amazing person who's doing that for me now. <laughs> but yeah, if anyone wants, even if they're just curious and want to find out a little bit more, uh, then please do get in touch because we're always happy to have a conversation with, with anybody. That's great. Andrew, I feel like we uh, literally scratched the surface of things that we could have <laughs> talked about there, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. And Hopefully that's given our listeners uh, some things to think about and maybe consider for as part of their own careers. Yes, thank you, Andrea. It's been a real joy to talk to you. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. So, so thank you both for the opportunity to listen to me ramble on. <laughs> um, and yeah, if anyone ever wants to get in touch with me, for me to ramble on to them in person, again, you know, I could be found with various different I'm, social I'm media sure channels they'll and be things. In so, yes. <laughs> thank you. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please rate, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes. Listener.